Welcome, Sally, and welcome, Becca. It's good to have you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's such a pleasure to be here. So, uh, who's Sally, if you are to share with us, and what are you doing here? Yes, so my name is Liseli, but people call me Sally for short. Uh-huh. And I'm from Lusaka, Zambia. Grew up there all my life, went to high school there, uh-huh. and then came over to Australia, Newcastle, for university. And I'm doing my bachelor's in civil engineering. It's an honors degree, and I'll be done this year, hopefully. Uh-huh. You're looking forward to making a lot of money? Oh, of course. That's the best <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> But is, yeah. that, is that really money? There is. And there's a lot of opportunities here in Australia for engineering, any discipline of engineering. And I encourage anyone that's looking, you know, to get into that field to, you know, stretch out and reach out to me even for mm-hmm. tips, especially as a woman in engineering. Your space, is it still male dominated? Sadly, it is. Um, there's, I can bring out a few stats if you like. Yeah. Um, so in my company, we're mainly 20% women engineers and the 80% is men and after that everyone else is just involved in admin and the admin is mainly just women no men so that's giving you a bit of a background of where engineering is at the and moment I mean there's been a lot of sort of talks about women entering spaces that are sort of male dominated right 20% it still seems like there's a long way to go. Of course, of course. There's a, I mean, we're in 2023 right now. Of course, we should have been seeing a growth in women in STEM, but there's a stunt there. I wonder what's going on. Hopefully that changes in a few But are years. there a lot of um, women sort of headed companies or the founders are women as far as you know? No. Because perhaps that could change the dynamics. Of co- Yeah, of course. I mean, women relate to women. So if there's a woman leading, obviously other women will follow suit. But as for now, no, I don't think there's many women that are heads of any engineering consultancies or companies. Here in Australia. Here in Australia, at least that I know of. How about back in, in Zambia where you came from? In Zambia, well, so that's the thing. The scene in Zambia is a lot of the civil engineering companies are international. A lot of Chinese are involved in the projects in Zambia. And even then, there's barely any women in those companies right. from what I've seen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Becca also. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm glad to have you because you're going to share a little bit with us about the Caribbean. So you're from yes. the Caribbean. Yes. I am from the Caribbean. We uh-huh. say we say Caribbean. Uh, I'm specifically I'm from the Cayman Islands, mm-hmm. Grand Cayman. I was born there. And uh, 15 years ago, my dad uh, moved our whole family to Australia uh, for a better life. And uh, yeah, just been serving, uh, uh, not studying at the moment, just um, out of high school only two years ago, and really just been serving at my local church and has just been enjoying every minute of it. So, right, yeah. right. And you still live in Sydney you're contemplating moving to Newcastle yes I still live in Sydney and no longer contemplating it is confirmed I am moving yes I am moving moving to Newcastle in two months uh, about three months time I am going away next week to Paris and then 
um, for away for three weeks. And then when I come back, I will be for the next two weeks preparing a job and a place to live. And yeah, and hopefully in August, I will be officially moving. So yeah, really excited for that. It's a long time coming. I know everyone's been asking for years now. Yeah. I think it's about three, almost three years now. So it's, yeah, it's really exciting for this to be happening. Right. That's really great. Just to give a bit of context to the listeners, uh, both of you are co-leading and close friends of Dave Fortu who came twice on the show already and he speaks a lot about Ninilim. So you're both part of Ninilim. Yes. How's yeah. the experience? It's really good. I'm just glad for Dave to actually come up with this initiative to, you know, um, just bring all the people of color in Newcastle together and just share our cultures and our diversities. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. really good. Yeah, Ninilim has been a great space for me and has impacted so many lives and I've loved being a part of the journey and helping um, contributing to the journey of like putting on various events or helping Dave with various projects. And yeah, I'm just really thankful for it and very thankful for Dave. The reason why I felt like I should have a conversation with you, part of Ninilim, there's the black um, or person of color cultures, blended cultures happening in the uh, more cultural identity that you get, you know, you're very proud of and you're sort of uplifting and Ninalem. I thought it was a very, you know, you're, you're a good uh, team such that I can have a conversation with, particularly about hair and identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much far we can sort of dive deep into this conversation, but I'd love you to sort of exhaust as much as you know in terms of your research, in terms of your cultures and whatever. Right. Um, um, I think if you can share with us, uh, uh, Becca, um, you you said, I think earlier on you were mentioning your dad is African-American. Yes, African-American. he is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, you want to say a little bit more about that? How's your experiences? Well, yeah. So, well, for me, I... I never lived in America. Yes, so my dad is African American. He was born in New Jersey. He lived there pretty much all his life until he met my mom um, in Tampa, Florida. Um, They went to university together. My mom came from the Caribbean and they met and they um, got married eventually. So he lived in America the majority of his life and his childhood. And mom was born in the Caribbean. She lived um, all her life pretty much in the Caribbean until we moved. So um yeah so dad has um on his side african-american i have never really gotten too much in touch with that side i think uh, i've never lived in america haven't really been a a part of his family or close to his family as much i am as close with mom's side but Mm. um i think for this podcast today i was just researching a lot into um, I guess African American history um, when it comes to terms of hair because I have grown up in Australia all my life. I pre- pretty much, I was born in the Caribbean, lived there till I was six, and then moved to Australia. So I haven't really been in touch with right. much of that side. I've heard many things. I've heard even that my last name Fawcett is French, and that the theory is that that actually goes back to slaves that got their last name from slave owners so that's probably we want we the theory is that's where we've gotten our last name from right. um and yeah i just um just recently want like getting curious into that side asking questions into what was the history i guess i because i do really look more like my dad than mm-hmm. i do my mom um mom 
mom has straight she used to have straight blonde hair but i really do get my afro and my looks from dad's side so it's really nice to look into really the history of um, black people in america where it all started and and in terms of hair and what it means to people and the identity of it so yeah i mean there's many talks and your youtube channels yes. welcome to my youtube channel yes. we're gonna talk african <laughs> hair we're gonna talk black hair we're gonna talk kinky hair and i'm like yeah right mm-hmm. but i mean the conversations to some point i think they get a little redundant and mm-hmm. i'm sorry for saying this you can really challenge me in terms of my thinking oh, about no, that because course. i think there's a bit of a um you know i wouldn't i'm not sure if it should say recycling or it's more of a reprise of the same story over and over again uh but i'll i'm i don't know what you ladies have for us today i just want to build a context on this chimamanda richie once made a comment about you know non-white hair Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously in her book, I don't know if you know her, she's Nigerian and yes. she's an author of Purple Hibiscus and she wrote, you know, books like uh, Half of a Yellow Sun and Americana. Right. Which in Americana, that's where she sort of um, expresses a lot about hair and the politics aspect of hair. And you hear her even in talks, she'll speak about how hair is political, non-white hair is political. And I mean listening to that many people would wonder in what sense is it just politics of how white people would want to touch your hair and feel the texture of your hair or speak something disdainful about your hair or whatever the case and for you young people growing in this time Sally you really embraces a lot of the fro culture yes very confident with the fro culture and I'm wondering how you're doing that. You're going to tell us a little bit when we get there, how you're doing that being in Australia now, because probably when you're back home, it, was, it might have been easier to sort of maintain your hair than where you are now. It's a complete different culture. It's a white space and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And Becca, on your case, I mean, you've got beautiful hair, thick, long curls, beautiful. And I wonder also in terms of your case, growing up in Australia, what your experiences would have looked like. But I mean, if we can maybe kickstart with this, some people might say we're tired of hearing all this thing, of saying, welcome to my YouTube channel, or we're going to talk about hair, hair is political. Is it, but is it just hair? Or there's more to it? See, that's a very good question. I don't think it's just hair, because... Hair goes back way into history. So like Becca said, in America, in the USA, so actually it even starts way before that. During slave trade, um, slaves would come into Africa and just to you know, eradicate the culture of the slaves, the slave masters would actually cut their hair. And in that, it just signifies how powerful hair is. It holds a lot of culture. And in saying that, even just back home in Zambia, if a family member passes on or a woman's husband passes on, she cuts her hair to signify that she's in mourning. It's sort of like a new start. It's a fresh start for her. And it just mainly just signifies a new, basically a makeover, someone restarting their lives. So for someone to say it's just hair would not be true in my opinion because it goes it holds a lot of value and culture right and for you for you better yeah i really believe um yeah it's not just hair i think so much oppression has been put on um black women's hair and and black people's hair there were once laws that were established um 
a long time ago where um, slave women would have to wear headscarves because on their plantations um, by the owners because their hair was deemed just to be too messy or they described it as wool and it was like why it was like it was almost offensive to show your hair yes. so it's just insane to imagine that and i think um it, after all this oppression on this generation like so much just anger and hurt came from it to the point where it's like when when they started when when black women and black people scouted their chance to start embracing their hair it it meant so much more to them now um or just i'm really just speaking from african-american history this it just means so much to them more now it's like a statement this is my identity this is who i am and i want to embrace who i am so it's such a just a form of identity for people and a form of way to embrace because it's been so p- politically, even laws put in force to not let women mm-hmm. have their hair out. So it's just so much more now than just, just some hair flowing out because it's become actual laws and mm-hmm. legislations to stop women from embracing it. And now when we have those laws have been abolished, it's it's just like so much power to them and so much power to the people to just be able to just embrace who they are now. Yeah. Right. Yep. And speaking about some of the laws you're talking about, it just reminds me of the Tignon law in the US. I think that should be around the early 1900s. Mm-hmm. So um, free black, black women were required to wear a headscarf to sort of symbolize that they're free, but they're still part of the slave class. Yeah, And even in that, these women, you know, just took that opportunity and started to make colorful head wraps Mm. and, you know, extravagant ones. And just to signify that even though they're going through these struggles, they're they're just, you know, making sure that they're sort of um, enjoying the process Mm. of this freedom that they're going, they're about to reach, if that makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of people ask me, oh, so is it wrong for me to wear cornrows as a white person? This is where appropriation comes Mm -hmm. from. And even just these hairstyles signify, you know, different aspects of what people went through back in the day. So I don't know if you guys know this, but cornrows were actually used to store seeds, um, be it maize or corn, whatever they called it back then. Mm -hmm. They would store it in their cornrows um, in the process of running away from their slave masters so that they could have something to eat once they were free. You know, just these forward ways of forward thinking just amaze me at, that people could actually use their hair to, you know, go through these processes of being free as a humanity. So mm. it's very important to sort of understand where some cultures come from and what hairstyles signify before actually doing them. So, I mean, you, you, you're both speaking very strong about hair being part of one's identity. In the case where, because now a lot of cultures, you know, have changed. Some have still remained intact. Some right. it's just a little bit of a change. Would you say women who, so, so for, who should have conversations about hair really? And the, the energy in which one speaks about when they speak of hair, should it be in a sense that it overlooks or it undermines you know, some of the non-white ladies who might be into wigs or weaves or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so who should have the conversation then? And in, in, in what sense? See, that's a very tricky question because um, heritage comes into play a lot of the time. If I've 
encountered a lot of th- these things on TikTok. You might see a fair-skinned woman, you know, doing cornrows or braid, box braids in their hair. And people in the comments will be like, oh, you're not even white. Why are you doing this? But what they don't know is that this person's DNA is probably diverse. She could be, I don't know, 25% Nigerian. And so where do you put the stop to that? Mm. And it's important to... You know, the human race is one race. I don't, I like to believe that, of course, like we all have different, you know, skin colors, but we are one race. And in this day and age, I mean, there's been so many intermarriages. So for someone to then enforce their, you know, laws on someone and say, you can't do this hairstyle because you're not black, you don't necessarily know that. So I, I think it's quite unfair. Right. But for someone who's really like, um, you know, criticize. Let's say one wants to criticize ladies who use who who does um, who use African hair, right. so to say. But the person also is sort of a non-white person. Should the person be received with more negativity? Because it, the argument might be you're not even black. Why are you doing this and so on and so forth? But also the arguments could turn around. You act you act like you're white. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very good question. Um, I think it just stems on from their, you know, their intentions. Uh, there's been a lot of blackwashing. You can see that from, you know, famous people like the Kardashians. They're enhancing their bodies to look more African with the BBLs and the lip fillers. Mm-hmm. And um, people could find find that quite offensive because, you know, we come from a history of oppression, and then to then you know, sort of put yourself in that situation where you want to become more black might be a bit offensive. And coming back to your question, Tony, it's a bit tricky. I I personally wouldn't put myself out there to shun someone on, you know, using the African hair. For some people, it's genuinely just their love for the culture. And for some, it's almost like a fetish. So... Personally, I don't know where to draw the line. I, right. I'm not. I wouldn't go up to someone and say, "Oh, why are you using black hair?" and and you're a white woman. It sort of doesn't. It's not my place to do that. Right. Right. But yeah, and I um I really agree with that too, Sally. That I wouldn't be someone to go up to someone saying, "Why why are you wearing braids? You shouldn't be wearing braids. This is my culture. My culture. You shouldn't be um doing that." And I was also reading something saying like, "Well." why do should white women be curling their hair because exactly. yeah why should white people be curling their hair um and it was this really interesting thing i was reading um or why should black people be straightening their hair so it's like right. where's where's the line here of when is this culturally unacceptable appropriate, appropriate? Yeah. yeah and i think um i think we should all like African culture, Caribbean culture, with it, whatever it may be, it's so beautiful. And I think when when it went up, maybe a fair skinned person would love to wear braids. I think if they want to wear it out of they think it's beautiful, they think it's nice, it shouldn't be shunned. Mm-hmm. But I was reading, um, but when they take their cultural identity without any acknowledge it and be disrespectful right. or turn it into something else or yeah. give it different names, it disrespects it. It's it's asked. Mm-hmm. It, it comes to question it and and to think about it so yeah i think uh yeah as you said it's hard (laughs) to draw a line there yeah i'd love to hear both your views on this obviously now having i I don't know (laughs) 
sometimes I feel like being reckless, but I'm <laughs> right of being reckless now. When we say non-white hair, curly hair, or whatever is political, mm-hmm. obviously part of the arguments about culture appropriation today might be because, you know, hair has been for quite a long time during even slavery time sort of a marker and have been used to sort of define what beauty looks like. Mm-hmm. And would you say then when you see a white person you know, uh, either doing braids or cornrows or whatever, or putting on weaves, it might be kinky, kinky type or whatnot. Would you say that there might be a way of changing the narratives? It might not necessarily be to, to, to benefit them, but changing the narratives about beauty or co-opt, you know, are they co-opting beauty from the lens of blackness or... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good point because I think it goes both ways. Black women wear weaves, straight bone straight weaves in that fact. And so um, non-white, uh, non-black people, sorry, um, are now adopting this beauty standard of having curly hair. You can even see it um, from the new series on Netflix, Queen Charlotte, The Bridgerton Story. Mm-hmm. Most of the cast members are African from African descent and you can see that you know that we're starting to embrace it even more and for me I think it's a positive indicator when white people start to you know embrace our culture and not ask questions about our hair a few years ago having an afro would be deemed very inappropriate and and unprofessional in a work setting but obviously today it's changing because you know we're just showing that our natural hair is it's okay, it's a good standard and it's not below any other standard as it was back in the day. So pointing back to your question, I think it's a positive indicator that things are going forward. But I don't know, uh, Becca, maybe if you can weigh in on this. It, it, it Sally believes is a positive indicator when white people would sort of use non-white hair to, or styles, do styles for non-white people. Is it an indicator of changing the narratives about what beauty looks like? But obviously for most non-white mm. people, mm-hmm. for them, obviously we cannot claim that it is also when they wear weaves, straight hair type of weaves or wigs or whatever. They are changing the narratives about beauty. For them, it has a certain level of yeah. uh, um, mental oppression and right. yes. probably need to sort of decolonize part of the thinking. Um, and it might have also for some elements of identity crisis. But sometimes the identity crisis really comes with the pressure and the traumas of society, mm-hmm. things that you see on the media, things oh, yeah, you see on um, your social platforms and so on and so forth. How, how would you respond to that? Or what do, you, what do you think about non-white people themselves using straight hair and whatsoever? Yeah, so for non-white people, having certain maybe black hairstyles and changing i guess the way people see things i was actually re- uh, doing watching something about how a while ago maybe like the early 2000s or maybe i think it was the 90s um, a movie came out one of the first movies with a woman wearing cornrows and then it was a white woman and all of a sudden when cornrows were deemed like not you know, acceptable in the workplace, not acceptable in schools. When they're at that 
culture was a thing and and it was like they were talking about oh how all of a sudden like these women who've wanted acceptance these black women who've wanted acceptance to feel included in their workplaces and not feel discriminated against because they have braids because they they need braids for Mm -hmm. protective reasons for hair you know black black women wear braids and head wraps um to um to also protect from elements to keep it um healthy and all of a sudden when this new movie came out where this white woman had had cornrows and all of a sudden it everyone wanted cornrows mm-hmm. now all of a sudden it became so popular and what one of these ladies were saying it was it was quite hurtful because these these sometimes when people non-black people wear the curls they were saying they don't they don't have to deal they yeah. can wear the cornrows mm-hmm. and then yeah. they can take it out and then it's it's over with they don't have to deal mm-hmm. with you know the consistent um Every week, cornrows, they were saying, you know, a person, white person can have cornrows one time and that's it. It comes out in a week. It's fine. You know, they don't have to d- deal with that continuous having to even have cornrows every, every week, having to deal with that discrimination, having to deal with that workplace problems. Yeah. So in a way, it was yeah. kind of hurtful that all of a sudden that these women who've been fighting for so long for acceptance, all of a sudden someone else as a white maybe a white woman, um, all of a sudden wears these braids and now it's acceptable it's a, so yeah. it kind of hurts them in a way it's yeah. like it's like we've been fighting for this for so long and now all of a sudden oh just because you know maybe someone who's not black wears them oh now it's okay and as you were saying with the kardashians it's like oh now it's pop so now it's popular now wearing cornrows and and box um braids so it's kind of like it's like wow it's like we've we've been trying so hard for this acceptance and now like we are not even mm-hmm. you know it wasn't our um it wasn't us who was finally accepted it's finally when a white person does it right. that it's okay yeah yeah and um i really love what these ladies were saying is that it's so true that um is that when when you know when you have afro hair when you have textured hair you have that for your life you have to deal with that mm-hmm. for all your life you you need to have braids yeah, all the time it. you know i need to have my head wraps i know we need to have our bonnets so it's a lifetime thing and sometimes when they see these people um not black just all of a sudden wear cornrows for a movie or pictures or instagram to get famous and then and then the next week they can take it out and they don't have to deal mm-hmm. with that maybe discrimination that some black people women have to deal with all the time sorry Becca, can i step in for a bit yeah. and play devil's advocate so when then does it become you know um sort of progressive because you're saying you know we're saying as black women it's a lifetime situation for us we can't really change our hair so then how do we then go forward from this because if not black people do our hairstyles it's a problem which i understand Mm -hmm. because you know there's a lot of history behind our hairstyles but then one would say well nordic people had dreadlocks they had cornrows so why is it a problem for me a white woman to then have this hairstyle is it black owned like what where do we you know put the stop to these things yeah i think i was talking more when they may use it for insta to get um maybe just not really acknowledge it maybe just like oh to get the likes maybe oh this is this is cool now so just trending trending yeah more like trending movie star sort of thing but Mm -hmm. then i was saying when you have to 
when maybe what I was saying is some women come from a place is like, oh, I have to deal with this right. all my life. And then seeing women just using it as a trending and it's like, mm-hmm. wait, I wear these braids all the time and mm-hmm. I get discriminated for it. And it sometimes can be hurtful for them. Right. Like, oh. As I was watching some stories of women in America, it's, um, as I said, they have to deal with the discriminating part and to see women just maybe use it for likes and trending stuff and then show no acknowledgement at all. They can just change the hairstyle. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I think it's still it's still a matter of power. I don't know how you ladies feel, but it's still a matter of power dynamics for me mm-hmm. when I'm watching from the from this angle. Because, yeah, well, kinky hair is not beautiful. Who says that? It's whiteness. Right. Says it. And then now, oh, let's change the narrative. And as Becca was saying, for non-white people, it, it has been a constant struggle. They've mm-hmm. been fighting for acknowledgement. They've been fighting for recognition with their hairstyles. And then all of a sudden, you see a white chick on the movie with cornrows. And then, oh, here's a new status of beauty. Who's right. telling us still whiteness? It's the white right? people, yeah. So I, th- I think it's still a matter of, you know, power dynamics. And, I mean, the question, I don't know, I'd, I'd ask for you ladies, <laughs> to, to what extent should now, as a younger generation, because obviously... Politics of hair has been going for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it would feel like they've died, but you find that they've not really died. They have a way of, you know, coming back again, so to say. Yeah. We would have thought that colonization is gone. Obviously, the hard sort of visible colonization is gone. Now there's still sort of some neo kind of mm-hmm. is gone. And then the younger generation with also the white trending of cornrows and so on and different kind of non-white hairstyles coming in, then the narratives will change. But it doesn't really change. I mean, it's probably in less than 10 years in South Africa that you've seen the Zola Patel movement where high school girls were told that their hairs are not sort of neat. Yes. They're not good, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I was so... The history of... Polit- the, the politics of hair is very interesting. I don't know if you saw a couple of years, probably less than five years ago, some regions in Australia were having a bit of debates and in, in this one it wasn't necessarily a matter of the texture of the hair but a particular hairstyle where boys who were doing this hairstyle I think it's called a mallet it's yes, called a mallet, the, mallet. The, the number of schools were like we don't appreciate this this is so old school this hairstyle is not so good it's not neat and I was sort of stuck with thinking about is this another kind of version of trying to prove that even straight hair does have certain politics but it's not same politics as you know non-white hair so to say yeah, it's not entirely the same. With the mallet, um, I believe it's tied in with the eshes. I'm not too sure if you guys are familiar. I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Becca, you live in Sydney. I think yes. you should talk about the eshes. The eshes? They, they do the mallets and they're yes. notorious and yeah. cause trouble. So that's where that hairstyle comes from. And I believe that's the reason as to why a lot of schools are trying to change you know that narrative of the mullet and not allowing it at all it stems from the issues what are, what are issues oh, what is an issue question um the i want to say the mullet also comes is kind of a comeback from the 90s and 80s wouldn't yes, you say yes, it's yes. a comeback and it's come back in this in, in the form of this new culture called the issues um i <laughs> i issues oh i I wouldn't want to say, I'll be careful of how I speak with that one. (laughs) Well, yeah, well, um, obviously I'm not going to 
deep dive into this because I'm not going to offend any, I don't want to offend anyone. But um, from my knowledge, the Eshes are sort of like a subgroup of people, mostly teenage boys. And they have this particular, you know, fashion style. They wear polo and, you know, these sort of brands. And a lot of them have mullets. And they're known to cause a lot of trouble, be it on public transport. Uh, they're just very notorious, as right, people right. well, people yeah. say they are. Haven't really, you know, in- experienced it. But mm-hmm. that's where, you know, the mullet stems from and why it's not being allowed in right, schools. Right. Yeah, I guess where I was trying to go with that trail of thought when I was bringing your Zuleika Patel... And right. the movement in South Africa is to say it's still it's more of a recent thing and we would have thought that probably uh, our parents you know more of the older generation would have really struggled a lot with their, with their kinky hair or curly hair mm-hmm. and stuff but I'm keen to hear now your personal experiences in terms of your hair what is it that you'd say you sort of went through what what kind of conversations you know come out as much as you can hear if you hear anything um, yeah, so in the professional, you know, setting, I've gotten a lot of, oh, your hairstyle's changed today. And people are constantly, you know, commenting on my <laughs> hair. Trick, yeah. You know, <laughs> I get that a lot. But I think they what they don't understand is, for me, it's not just a matter of changing my hairstyle because I want to. It's more of a protective measure, like Becca said. My hair is more prone to breakage because, you know, it's quite brittle. And also just even in this season, you know, we're going into the, you know, winter, it humidity drops and my hair becomes a lot more brittle. So to protect it from that, I put in braids. And obviously I can't have those for uh, in for too long because it damages my hair. So I have to keep changing it and... You know, for a non-black person, they'll just see it as me trying to be fancy and, you know, trying to change my hairstyle from time to time. But there's reasons as to why I'm changing my hairstyle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just only mainly that? Sorry? You were speaking more in a professional way. Yes. Was there any other experiences? No, 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 no. Yeah. Especially back in Zambia, because obviously everyone there... Most people are black, so they understand what is happening. The dynamic yeah. of you know the hair. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Becca? But by, by the way, uh, Zuleika, the, the 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 young lady we're talking about, um, they were they experienced racism in the school that they were going in. It was sort of a multiracial school, mm-hmm. so a multi yeah, actually multiracial. Mm-hmm. Almost at a model scene, I was like, people <laughs> wouldn't understand what a model scene type yeah, of school is, yeah. right? So it's a multiracial school, and she actually had almost hair like yours, like very big hair. And the teachers would say, this is untidy. You need mm-hmm. to sort of do something with your hair. So um, it sparked a lot of anger in these young people, and they started to protest against that kind of you know, mm-hmm. racism. So I'm just wondering whether in terms of your case, I know that when I had a conversation with uh, Dave, and I'm sorry for bringing Dave, because it's not really <laughs> the context of Dave. Dave has got big, beautiful hair also. Almost same as yours, and he shared about how you know he's had his own fair share of confrontation where people said sort of malignant things about his hair. Mm-hmm. How's your experience? Well, from my experience, hmm, I was really trying to think about it this last couple of weeks. Think about what people have said, the comments I've got. For me, um, I do the thing is during the week. I do keep my hair up in a bun, or either a low bun or a high bun. So I actually really rarely have my hair out. It's 
I mean, it's only out on the weekends and Newcastle friends only see me on the weekends. (laughs) So I really rarely will have it out during the week. But looking back on my experiences growing up in Australia, um, also for a bit of majority of my life, I was a bit sheltered. I was homeschooled when I moved to Australia till I was 15. So I wasn't put into mainstream school until year eight. And obviously that was that was a private school, so my hair was my hair was always in a bun. So no one really saw like how big my hair was mm-hmm. until I started going to a public school, till I could finally have it out because like we we were definitely not allowed to have it out at my other school. And um, looking back, I think my experiences were quite positive. Um, I rarely did have it out, and when I did have it out, I would get compliments all the time your hair is very beautiful i love your hair and i'm thankful for that i think i, I don't know i may have been lucky or something that i've just have i've had pretty good positive experiences yeah, within yeah. the workplace yeah, and with high school yeah. um people just being so nice just saying oh we love your hair we wanted to have it out this week uh will you have it out today i have had comments like oh your hair is so big like not in a nice way mm-hmm. in the workspace like oh your hair is like um like it's oh it's it's so big and i i have i think some some people have said to me oh your hair is kind of like intimidating in a way because it can what does that mean i don't know (laughs) like you can be i don't know it's so big like i've heard a comment like that oh you like him be so yeah you never asked them what what they mean by hair being intimidating no i just was like i didn't really think twice i just didn't really think into it 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 was more of like oh when you're having conversations with people they may find you intimidating and i didn't really i didn't really follow up on that but it was like oh i actually sorry i actually have had comments where it's like oh you should flatten down your hair or maybe it's a little too big but it's nothing compared to the embrace i have gotten from Mm -hmm, my hair mm -hmm. and even um even in the workplace i found a very positive workplace i just work in simple retail um it's all right right. mentioning (laughs) mentioning where i work um and yeah it's been actually unless if they're problematic they're in trouble (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah and it's actually been kind of a um positive experience and i think it's because i don't actually have my hair out often and when i do it's like oh that's nice and even today um see when i go to work i rarely have my hair out during the week it's always up it's already combed down in a bun or up in a bun it's never out yeah and even today i had it out at work and just all day was compliments like oh your hair is so beautiful your hair is so nice so i think i've had quite a a positive experience Mm -hmm. with my hair and yeah and i'm quite thankful for that yeah i mean your hair is intimidating might really have a lot of things (laughs) to think of there right because i'm thinking also uh at some point there was a moment where you know women coming out with you know very breezy beautiful fro mm-hmm. uh, people would think oh here we go another black radical feminist it's it, it, <laughs> it would be pointed out as you know a setup heck of another angry black yes. woman here's another angry yes. black woman yes. who can tell us where to get off but what do we make of that statement though see where that statement comes from is back in the 60s i believe or earlier than that the black people movement uh-huh. and Black people in the U.S. actually used the Afro sort of as a rebellious yeah. act. Yeah, someone actually said it was a physical manifestation of the rebellion because you know Afros go, they grow out yeah. and white. So that's where it stems from. And I don't know. Well, 
that's the thing about the US media. If you watch a lot of these movies, usually the woke girl, the woke <laughs> black girl usually has dreadlocks braids or an afro and she's usually very assertive so i I don't know probably that's where it stems from right yeah so you've never been told your hair is intimidating oh no no (laughs) far from that if anything it's usually just microaggression it's like oh why have you done this hairstyle today or why are you constantly changing it and you know just little comments like that but nothing like your hair is intimidating Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I've gotten, um, but some of my comments, they just come from my picky aunties, like, can your hair be more neat, please? <laughs> or like, things I, I don't think twice about the comments from my aunties. It's like, can your hair, like, comb it down? Because sometimes it can be so wild. It's like, I want your hair like this and that, and they're treating me like a little princess. But um, but yeah, but, but a lot of comments have just come from relatives, just picky aunties, but, um, but not too many people from... Um, outside what are what are the stories you learn about um your hair from your aunties what 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 are they sharing with you (laughs) so um so yeah i said i had some conversations with my aunties uh, living in the cayman islands now for my hair my as i said i look more like my dad so my afro is really coming from dad's side but my mom's side um, they're more they're more of European descent, living in the Cayman Islands, five generation Caymanian, um, and their hair it's they've got pretty fluffy curly hair, not as big as mine, but um, even my so my aunties they just have general curly hair, and the stories they told me growing up of them growing up in the Caribbean, a lot of European influence, a lot of European settlers that came to the Cayman Islands, they told me stories of my grandma or their mom. Um, they would used to do ringlets in their hair. They used to wet their hair, um, comb it out, and they said that for Sunday schools or or events or, or going anywhere, they, their mom would um, curl their hair with her finger mm-hmm. and make little ringlets in their hair when they were um, um, when it was wet. So there was curly hair was quite embraced. Pretty much every Caymanian, whether they have fair skin or or, or pretty dark pretty much has curly hair so mm-hmm. it was really cool to hear the stories of how they were dressed they they were more because of the european influence in the cayman islands um people my aunties were explaining the way that women dress were very ladylike mm-hmm. that's the way they put it very gentleman-like very european clothes um little fluffy dresses and hats and things like that so hair that was neat but also very curly still embraced the curly side the of story that. about hair that's neat what is hair that's neat? <laughs> sorry well like <laughs> co- at least um curls defined is probably what i'm probably trying to say oh, they okay. like to have defined curls like so oh, not frizzy. Right. sorry yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so like like if it was like my hair they'd probably put water in products with oh, it to right. comb it down and get it more defined and not wow. yeah no, no, no. <laughs> i guess that's yeah that's the way they put it they just just defined curls mm-hmm. they're not like see how mine are like fri- a little bit frizzy yeah. which is fine but they they like to have a thick ringlets around and just in place just to neat and proper is the way they would put it and that's just that is kind of thinking do they have any particular hairstyles that would symbolize this um where they are in 
I don't know because I don't think you you've mentioned anything about kinship or royalty and whatever. Right. And and I don't know also in your in your case, Sally. But did they ever do 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 you guys have any stories about kinships and royalty even? <laughs> Yeah, so um, the story is no, not really. And I'm really speaking from the Cayman Islands. The Cayman Islands is, in a way, a very young culture. It mm-hmm. was only settled in in the 1730s. So if you think about that compared to Africa or places yeah. like that, it's it really is a bit of a young culture. These Really, the, the, the Cayman Islands is made out of um, Europeans and Europeans who brought their slaves um, there. So African descent, European descent. So... Um, and the biggest influence, as I said, was European descent. So, yeah, no, they. I've had conversations with my aunties. There was, it was nothing. They, the more standard was that ladylike standard, mm-hmm. that gentleman standard. The, where make sure that you're proper and and uh, make sure you're nice and neat was is sort of the kind of what they were going for. So no, yeah. no, no traditions in symbolism for how you wear your hair Mm -hmm. what rank it may be there's no that's for my island personally Mm -hmm. um i'm not too sure i'm not 100 percent sure about every island in the caribbean i think there may be more significance in Mm -hmm. in different islands but for the for the cayman islands that's how it is yeah and for africans or in zambia i don't think there's any culture that also does that sort of thing and you know signifying royalty with their hairstyles but i do know in ancient egypt um a lot of the people in power had dreadlocks and the longer their locks meant the more power that they had Mm. so and that's where that's why i'm saying it's not necessarily right to say it's just hair because a lot of these cultures sort of identify themselves in some of these hairstyles and if you even see a lot of these um, pop artists like Beyonce, they do a lot of African hairstyles to signify the power and the beauty that they, you know, they withhold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to add to that, I would say um, a very a culture that is close to us as well is Jamaica. Um, and I was... Um, they have a religion there, Rastafarian, mm-hmm. where they have their dreadlocks. And looking into it as a religion, they have their dreadlocks represents almost a way of str- uh, their way of strength yes. and growing it out and not cutting it. It even refers to the Bible and Samson just mm-hmm. having this. Mm-hmm. Um, their dreadlocks represents their strength and also their rebellion against um, people that were holding them captive as slaves. Like I think it was said that dreadlocks were called dreadful and then he said no it's (laughs) dreadlocks and it was a way for them to show their strength so yeah that's one that's a very common hairstyle in jamaica so yeah yeah. i think it stems all over the the world because even indians have you know dreadlocks Uh, i think Mm. it's the shiva deity have that as well a lot of the shamans actually have dreadlocks and they they believe that um the dreadlocks actually protect their um, crown chakra mm-hmm. is what they call it and which the crown chakra is basically the entry point of you know power from the higher um, energy I'm not too sure what that means but that's what signifies um, the dreadlocks in their culture so it stems from all over the world yeah. Right. Literally. Right. yeah how do you look after your hair here in Australia. Oh, this is my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> <Sad for this. laughs> 
it's 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 an art honestly it mm. it doesn't come easy especially the way our hair is you know formulated it's I, I don't want to say it's difficult to maintain because that's not true. It's just we don't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So for me, when people ask me how I take care of my natural hair here in Australia, where, you know, just getting someone to braid my hair is such a hustle. And uh, expensive sometimes. Oh, time, yes. Right? Very expensive. As expensive as $500 sometimes. So you can understand how, you know. $500. Let's Australian convert dollars. that. Let's convert that. To Zambian kwacha. Yeah. <laughs> that's about... Seven thousand Zambian kwacha, or slightly less. That's yeah, a lot. It's not really kwacha, about six thousand, six thousand rand. Yeah, it's a lot of money. Um, so when how much is that if you convert it in uh, the currency? What currency do they use? In CI. The, yeah. Oh, how much? Sorry. Five hundred. Yeah, five hundred dollars if you had to convert that. Oh, that's um. CI is higher than American, so it would be. Like five hundred Australian dollars. Oh yeah, that would be like maybe like seven hundred, eight hundred dollars CI if you were to convert the money. Uh, so if we convert uh, five hundred dollars Australian dollars, right? Yeah, Australian dollars to to CI. Oh yeah, that would be almost a thousand. That's a lot. CI. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, just to you plate your hair exactly. Um, yeah. So if someone asks me how I take care of my hair. I've obviously done a lot of research because it doesn't come easy. A lot of people have, well, we have different types of hair. So to classify it into 3C, 4C wouldn't be enough because, you know, everyone has different porosity of hair. Um, Some people taking humidity into their hair easily than others. Mm -hmm. And all of that just comes into play. But personally, I wash my hair every two weeks without fail because I believe that the scalp is literally like the the skin on our face. We have Mm. to cleanse it and so that, you know, it takes in all the nutrients and all the moisture. And even then, like Becca said, um, African, a lot of African hair is coily. So we have natural oils that come out of our scalps Mm. and it takes us a while for that oil to then travel down to our hair shafts. And that's why it becomes very brittle. So by washing your hair, you're almost just removing all the debris off your scalp so that you're, you know, retaining all the moisture. And then after that, putting in, after that, putting in oil to just, you know, um, retain the moisture in your hair. So that's basically it. And then obviously you've got your detangling of the hair. That's very important because like I said before, our hair is very brittle. So you have to handle it with care and, you know, put in water and conditioner and gently brush it out and not like literally pull it out because you're frustrated at how hard it is. It's not hard. You just don't know how to take care of it. And no, no particular products it's really relatively simple just conditioner to you know soften your hair so you can detangle it and that's it so all the rice water onion water theory and whatnot those are in my opinion those are just myths marketing schemes you reckon i reckon (laughs) very controversial but But it's not like people getting it they 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 get to gain something by selling you the idea that you can use rice water it's all popular to grow your hair faster. Yeah, yeah. It's your all, hair or the hair, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a thing. People are trying to find ways to get famous to you know be trending on social media. It's all just marketing schemes. Too. Do you think so, also, Becca? Well, 
I mean, I don't use anything particular crazy for my hair. <laughs> no supplements, no rice water, anything like that. I just, yeah. Um, yeah, your hair can, a lot of your hair is to do with genetics exactly. and how fast it grows. And um, right. so once I heard that, I was like, yeah, there's really nothing. I mean, there's, there are some things you definitely need to take care of your hair so it's not breaking up all the mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, to a great extent, you, you can't make your hair grow <laughs> so right. significantly faster. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how, do, so. how do you take care of yours? Oh, okay. As Sally said, yes, definitely <laughs> an art. I think um, for my hair, especially, I can't really indulge in anything luxury. I really just have to buy um, any shampoo and conditioner that is sold in the liter. Yeah. Um, in the liter packages, I currently use Pantene because they sell their giant mm -hmm. 700 meter, uh, liter um uh, conditioners. Um, I think in back when I was back in the Caribbean, there's so much variety of... Um, products for curly hair that we can't get here which can be annoying but that's okay i've been using pretty much pantima all life and it just comes down to which brands is going to have the biggest bottle of shampoo and conditioner <laughs> yeah. um and i do so i wash my hair I try to wash it twice a week. Um, I've been slacking off on that. Oh, once or twice a week. Yeah, <laughs> once or twice a week. I need at least a whole entire day for it yes. to dry. Oh my I and the reason why I've been slacking off is because I've been working every day that um, that I think, oh, I can't wash it because I, I don't have a free day yeah, to wash yeah. it. And because if, if, if I wash it and go to bed with it, there's shrinkage. If, if I, it, so much thought goes into my hair. It yeah. takes up a, a lot of my time. Just even, I have to think about what time of day to wash mm -hmm. it because if I wash my hair, I'm going to use up all the hot water. <laughs> so I have to think about things like this. I think you, wow. you guys probably, I don't know. <laughs> yes, I can totally agree. You can totally agree. Literally. Um, think about who's taking a shower. I just think about these things. Who's okay? Who's taking a shower today? So if I wash my hair, I gotta wash it in the morning because everyone comes home around five, and anyone uses up the hot water because the worst feeling is when you're halfway combing your hair, and the hot water starts going cold. So I think about okay, this is the day that everyone's just gonna get angry with me, and that's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it takes me half an hour to an hour and another thing is when I comb my hair in the shower that's it I can't do anything else so yeah. I can't wash I can't I can't do not even body wash nothing it just is it's it's hair and I'm like slipping sliding in the bathroom because there is so much conditioner um, with my hair as well I sometimes I do get frustrated I have different combs mm -hmm. I have wide tooth combs I have brushes that I use I always part my hair in four sections tons of conditioner deep conditioning i don't use a lot of products um on my hair after the shower i feel like sometimes they affect my curl pattern and it's really annoying mm. or make it heavy or greasy um and yeah and i just am in there parting away combing 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 i really try and stay on top of my routine because what's really annoying is if i if i leave my I usually say, oh, my hair's a week old or it's two weeks old. It, it just means how long it, I, since I've cleared it. If it's two weeks old, it's it's harder to clear. It's really naughty, really messy, and it takes longer to clear in the shower. So I try really hard to stay on top of it. And then I try and let it dry for the whole day. And then every week is different. It, the, the, I try to perfect my art because people may not realize um, that that one week my hair is more flat or one week my hairs are not as defined, my curls are not as defined or one week my hair is 
frizzier than normal i say oh if someone will ask like oh your hair's so beautiful and i'm like no it's not it's not what it's <laughs> full potential this week and yeah. i notice it all the time so yeah. every week is different and it affects my mood but yeah it really is an art it is an it art. is an art because one week it can be so different and one week the other so i try to perfect that art to yeah take care of it and make it healthy i'm actually planning to get braids this year because i've let's <laughs> go i've come to the point where I've, i i need a break because it takes up so much yes. of my thinking and time during the week that i just want to wake up and not think about it so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> um yeah i think it's the same with me I, it takes me literally the whole day i can't go out of the house when it's washed yes. day. <laughs> I have to, you know, deep condition and even that takes an hour and then I have to wash it out. It's it takes a lot of patience and, you know, um just a lot of planning as well. Because you know, you need to plan your wash day around so many things. That's so true. And yeah, I I think that's the secret to natural hair actually. So roughly in a month, how much would you say you spend on your hair? Oof. I usually just buy a bottle of shampoo conditioner deep conditioner and maybe just a protein treatment just to you know revitalize my hair and that lasts me three months so i would say all of that stuff would cost around 100 bucks or even more and it would take me for four months and that's it so if you include different kinds of hairstyles how much do you all right um i braid my own hair Oh, nice. Um, well, this current hairstyle I have right now, I got it braided. I'm not going to say the amount of money I spent because <laughs> you just think I'm very unreasonable. But um, yeah, so I braid my own hair. What do you just mean to, you think you're unreasonable? Did Tony, you exploit somebody? No, of How course not. How much was it? Should I actually say? Yeah. It was $300. Um, yes. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> yeah, so that's why I like to do my own hair because it just cuts down on a lot of costs which is difficult it takes a lot of hair if i'm not to braid my own hair to take me two days did you add something with just your hair no no no, no. these are the extensions oh, they're so, oh, extremely okay, long okay. Mm. but the extensions themselves oh, are not cheap as, right. oh yeah the extensions themselves are not cheap so to do yeah. a full head of hair i would spend maybe 40 50 bucks on the extensions depending mm. on where you're buying them from yeah um, amazon is a lot more cheaper and um, ebay as well but if you're buying from an african store in your community trust me it's Mm. gonna be so expensive yeah when i was in the caribbean literally every shop i walked into was a whole like aisle of hair and i thought oh wow like i should bring some of this back for everyone (laughs) like i don't see that yeah and the regular supermarkets here it's i can't imagine just how hard it is to find extensions here you know Yeah. yeah been great chatting with you it's been really good you exhausted everything you have for us um, you reckon yeah 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 right it's good yeah becca yeah <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming that's all right i was it's been a pleasure being here and talking about you know natural hair yeah very exciting to you know i've learned a lot as well from this podcast just this, this, this discussion that we've had mm-hmm. it's been very insightful i, I learned more because i'm like i'm a sucker for knowledge in terms of hair, I know nothing <laughs> yeah. Much about hair. yeah and yeah thank you so much for being um having me on this podcast i hope that people can walk away just you know feeling free to embrace their hair whether it's very kinky curly or or just just big 
fluffy curls i just hope that everyone knows that their hair is so beautiful Mm -hmm. and um it is worth being embraced it is a part of who you are it's and it's yeah and it is beautiful no matter what yes that's great wear your crowns and be happy thanks for (laughs) choosing the visions and tones podcast and as i always say go ye and be best human beings and be best versions of yourselves we'll catch you next time cheers